Hello and welcome to Handball in Numbers, the Handballlytics podcast. My name is Mark Hawkins and once again I'm joined by Julian Rux. Hi Mark. The game we are focusing on today is the second semi-final of the women's tournament. In a very exciting game, the Russian Olympic Committee defeated Norway 27-26 to move to the gold medal game against France. For the Russians, Anna Viakireva was outstanding with nine goals, and for Norway, the top scorer was Nora Merck with 10 goals. Uh, so today we're joined by a guest who issued a come-and-get-me plea on his own uninformed handball hour podcast, the pioneering mind behind the quint double statistic, Alex Kulesh. How are you, Alex? I'm really good, Mark, and I'm glad that my plea worked. <laughs> Just to start with, give, give, us, your, uh, give us your thoughts on, on the game. What, what did you see that interested you? Well, I thought that, first of all, it was an absolutely incredible game. It really had everything a semi-final of a championship needs to have. It had the intensity. It had two completely evenly matched teams. But at the end of the day, it was Russia's defense that won them the game. It was absolutely incredible. And you could see that it was fully planned. They pretty much took out all of Norway's strengths. So they played this 6-0 defense, but that was quite aggressive. But they were able to keep their center very strong. So they they gave very little to the Norwegian line players. Makeva and Dimitra really, yeah lock them down apart from the first 10 minutes they really didn't get a sniff and then they played some very aggressive number two defenders to shut down norway's other big strength and that is first their shooters um they were able to basically stop them as well as that breakthrough opportunity which norway just thrives on and by doing that they basically forced norway out to the wings and of course you've pretty discussed that in women's handball that shot isn't as valued overall and they even you know when they made that break in the start of the second half or in the middle of the second half they're able with their aggressive defense to force those turnovers from Norway as well which is kind of one of the minor weaknesses in that Norwegian team and they did all of that having their best defender, Anasen, being sent off after 10 minutes. So absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I, totally. I mean, I think that was uh, an, an interesting moment in the game where it could have, you know, had a big impact, Anasen, um, you know, such an important part of the defence for such a long time for Russia. So, but like you say, and it was, they talked a little bit on TV here in Norway before the game about sort of limiting these sloppy turnovers or things like that. As you say, and I think uh, they highlighted from Hungary playing with these aggressive number twos and, and having a few steals and creating a few turnovers there. So we, we definitely saw that from, from Russia as well. But I think, uh, you know, one interesting thing for me to pick up on was the goalkeeping. Um, and you, you mentioned it there. The, the few crucial saves, particularly from uh, Stina Skogrand and um, uh, Solberg towards the end in crucial moments and especially during the comeback as well, which were real momentum changes. And we see the, the goalkeeping numbers are very even on the whole, but Serokina made some, a lot more saves from the wing and from the six-metre areas, which I think were really big motivational factors and like you say the type of goals we normally expect to see Norway creating for themselves 
Yeah, absolutely. And it was actually evenly matched on the goalkeeper side. Both goalkeepers had pretty amazing performances. Mm -hmm. But again, it was really the types of opportunities, I think, made, made the difference. And uh, with Russia, I think they had many more breakthrough attempts and goals. Norway completely uncharacteristically had only four breakthrough opportunities and scored two of them, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, and what I thought was really interesting uh, is when you look at the stats of the games before today, because Norway was the team that forced their opponents to the worst shots, uh, shot quality, just the average expected goals number per shot. And so they had the lowest average shot quality, while the Russians it was the exact opposite. They were the team that allowed the, the best shots for their opponents. But today, that was reversed. Actually, Russia, as you said, had the better shots, or the better quality shots, um, and Norway had the worst shots. And they usually also themselves were very efficient, so the actual goal numbers was higher than expected. And that was today also the case. They had better numbers there than Russia, but they were much, much closer. And, um, well, I think the reasons for that is, is everything that, that you already explained. I think there's one more reason for all of that, and that is Anna Vyakhyreva. So yeah. she had an absolutely incredible performance. She was truly unstoppable at times, uh, really dancing through that Norwegian defense. And twice she scored very crucial nine-meter shots, um, I think at the end of the first half, right at the end. Uh, when Russia were really squeezed, and I think towards the end of the second half as well. So she came up there as well. And it, it's really funny. I've kind of, I've been thinking about it, and there's been so much hype about Matthias Giesel and the Danish team over the last year, and how, let's say, they've redefined uh, the attacking style of handball, where they really focus on these breakthrough goals, don't take the nine-meter opportunities because they know that the, the breakthrough is the more important or the more um, the easier shot to score and thinking it from a women's handball perspective women's handball has been light years ahead in that because they've you know they haven't been able to rely on nine meter shooting and in, in most cases most teams can't rely on it so they do focus on this breakthrough so Matthias Gissel isn't the first of his kind Anna Vyakhyreva I would say was, has been doing the same thing at an even higher level for a long time, and she just proved it uh, today. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and one thing where women's handball is a bit well ahead of the men's handball is the pace of the game, where usually well, women's handball is a bit faster than, than men's handball. You get a few more possessions on average. But today it was relatively slow at 53 possessions for each team. And what I thought was very interesting is that ROC's possessions were about 10 seconds longer than Norway's. That's usual for what you see at Norway's games, uh, but very unusual for Russia, who usually had shorter possessions than their opponents as well. Would you think that this might have been one of the keys today for them to slow down the game and maybe to adapt to Norway, well, in the right way? I th I think so. I think both teams were quite tentative today in terms of, as you mentioned, the pace, um, the, the fast breaking and the second way fast breaking really wasn't the focus for either team. 
they, they really ended up in this battle, kind of one-on-one -on -one battle a lot of the time. And I think Russia were pretty happy to just keep moving the ball to tire out the Norwegian defense. You know, Vyakirov would go one-on-one, -on -one, Dmitry would go one-on-one, -on -one, and they would just keep going until they found a gap. And a lot of the time they actually found really nice gaps to Makeva on the line as well, which I think is a big difference between the two teams. Yeah, I mean, we actually see uh, Kari Brat said only had, I think, three shots in the game and she's been, you know, a really big piece. And she's also a big piece on, the, you know, on the fast break for Norway as well. And I think one thing where, you know, we see with Norway, normally the pace is so high and they're so good in this second wave and, you know, that increases their shot quality. It, like you say, it's hard to know from uh, watching, but it'd be interesting to know if that was a decision from Norway to play a little bit more tentatively or whether Russia forced them into that with their defence. And I mean, I think especially when we look at the run in sort of the early part of the second half, there were very limited opportunities for Norway to play and score these quick, easy goals, which they often do. So I think it, that was really, um, if it was by design or however they designed it from, from Russia to be able to stop these chances was really really decisive uh, in the game. Yeah, and I, and I wonder if this uh, this talk of turnovers, which uh, seems to be the only weakness for Norway that has been identified over the last period, may have gotten to the Norwegian team and they may have made that decision to not play that uh, you know fast second wave, fast break to reduce the amount of turnovers. And maybe that was what hindered them in the game in the end. Also, we're talking about pace. One thing, I think, a bit of a reason for the long Russian possessions is, of course, that they wanted to play down the clock in the end. The, the last possession, I think, was, was crucial as well, where just the, Norway allowed them to play down the clock, didn't give them the, the open shot, which I honestly didn't understand at all, because it would have been, well, the last chance, not uh, if you just let them shoot, but the, the Russians then could just play the clock down. Yeah, I think in that last possession, well, Norway did make the mistake of that uh, Christensen getting that uh, two minutes, which reset yeah, the yeah. passive play. So that that mistake caused it. I think they were hope the, but usually I think he do allow um, a slightly more open shot to just mm -hmm. really trust your goalkeeper. But I, I think that last possession is really disappointing. Uh, from a viewer's point of view, where you know Norway scored to get within one goal with over a minute to play, the yeah. game was really on the line. You know Norway had made that break to come back because I think Russia did tire towards the end um, with that loss of Anasen early on. Mikheyev and Dimitrov just were not; they didn't have the legs, and then it kind of just nothing happened for the last crucial minute of the game. And maybe that goes back to this, uh, you know, I think you mentioned it previously, it's been mentioned a lot, the shot clock. But uh, from my perspective, the only need for a shot clock in handball is those really tight situations at the end of games, which some sort of solution has to be created for, where one team can't just hold on to the ball for the last minute of a game and walk out without even taking a shot. I think that's slightly anticlimactic. Yeah, I mean, that's been 
a large part of the debate on TV here after the game that, you know, the, I suppose the street smarts and the, the good game management from Russia to actually be able to utilize a minute and a half with a lead with one and not having to shoot to win the game. And also maybe a little bit naivety from Norway to actually make probably two or three fouls in the last 30 seconds instead of allowing allowing a shot. But I completely agree with what you say there. It's it, whilst it's very good sort of game management from from Russia, it shouldn't be allowed to get to that point. You know, we should at, at least, I don't know, a stopping clock or some sort of solution to to ensure that you know the game goes on and the players decide it a little bit more with shots and goals instead of yeah just uh running the clock down i think i agree it was a bit of a you know an anticlimactic end to what otherwise was a fantastic game yeah and generally i'm kind of against the shot clock idea for handball as a whole but i do see a place for it in the last periods of games so I think my suggestion would be something like the last 10 minutes of a game, last five minutes of a game, do have a shot clock with some sort of time limit, whether it's 30 seconds, 45 seconds, probably 30. Um, but then you may also allow a few more timeouts in that period. And I so, hate that. I hate that in basketball, the, the many <laughs> timeouts. And I love that so much in handball that there are so few. So yeah, well. it's it, it is. So I, I think it's it's kind of it, it would allow the thing about handball is that they do the the fast break is the more valuable goal. And I think a lot of teams really trust that fast break. If you get more possessions into the last few minutes of a game, it really comes down to the choices. And a coach can just trust his players to get that fast break or a second wave or if need to, if that doesn't work you can kind of take a timeout and i'm not saying it get to the level of uh basketball where it just gets uh, <laughs> painful with especially the kind of the the tactical fouls and everything that that's yeah, uh, and the replays and everything yeah and replays so i think there there might be a nice balance there but i think if you do put in a shot clock i would think that um, a few more timeouts might help that transition but anyway, that last those last few minutes do need to be solved a little bit. Yeah, maybe yeah. just what are your thoughts on on the final now, and yeah. you know how do you see the gold medal game going, Russia and uh, and France, as is or as will be with the men's replays of both the the finals in Rio. Do you see a repeat, or do you see uh, do you see it going a different way? Yeah, it's it's kind of fascinating. I really was expecting that France Norway final on the, the women's side and kind of all my thoughts really went with that i haven't done as much about the france russia uh final but i think it will definitely be a a very close game i would lean a little bit towards russia because they have such momentum and um you know they've just gradually got better and better throughout the tournament and they have the belief that they, they deserve this but I do see a weakness in Russia's team, and that is that left-back position, where Bobrovnikova was not very good today. Um, Vidikina and Elina can have flashes of uh, talent, but they're not consistent enough. And I think that France, of all teams, can set up a team to counter, you know, to really force Russia to 
play through that position and you know with their kind of aggressive defense potentially shut down Vyakarov a, a little bit but still I think um, Russia are the favorites for me to go through I think what uh, I would agree just I think the the game of from the Russians was just so impressive today and they had some problems early in the tournament but were just the momentum for them is just so so good they became so good um, well, I think I would see them as a slight favorite uh, as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I could take a, a double gold for France in the Olympics. <laughs> I don't know if I could handle that. <laughs> I mean, it, it does look to be very close. And I think it's going to be, yeah. I mean, I'm just sort of looking through some of the, the stats from, from the tournament so far and there's nothing obvious you know, like you say, and like we talked a little bit about yesterday with Juan, it's the big players and the big moments, you know, Vyakareva, uh, if she plays the way, you know, she does again today in the big moments, you know, with France, of course, is also these, you know, these top players. And my, my potential worry with Russia would be that to beat Norway in a semi-final almost felt a little bit like a final and the reaction of the players afterwards were, was huge and you know rightly so but maybe I don't want to say they they've spent everything on this game but it could be maybe um, leave a little bit for France to, to go and take it but toss of a coin for me so all right thank you Alex so much for for taking the time thanks for having me Tomorrow, we'll be joined by Nikolai Krigal, head coach of Gilgi in Denmark, uh, where we'll, of course, be looking at the final of the men's competition. France played Denmark in a repeat of the Rio 2016 final, which should prove to be a classic. Until then, as always, follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. It's at Handpolitics everywhere. Or go to our website, handpolitics.de. We get all the stats for all games, not only the ones that we're talking about here. Well, until then, hear you tomorrow.